Hey everyone, it's Twin Teen Tales with Aussie Dad, and today we're going to read the final part of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Cabin Fever. Uh, Sunday. This morning at 10, Mum told me to go downstairs and wake up Roderick, but when I walked down the basement steps, I could tell something was seriously wrong. There was at least a foot of water covering the basement floor. I guess all that snow was too much for the ground to hold, and it caused the basement to flood. I told Mum to come downstairs quick, and when she did, she was really upset that a bunch of our stuff was ruined. But to be honest with you, there were some things floating in the water that I didn't mind getting wrecked. Mum keeps a memory box for each of us kids, and mine was on the bottom shelf, so it was mostly underwater. One of the things that was in the box was my bed wedding calendar from when I was 8 years old. Let me just say in my defence that there was a perfectly good reason why I was wet in the bed back then. In those days, I drank a lot of water before I went to sleep at night, and then I'd have these crazy dreams that made me need to go. I finally figured out what the issue was, but not before I got five frowny face stickers in a row. Some of the yearbooks from my elementary school days were soaked, but I didn't mind that either. My fifth grade yearbook was in my memory box, and that's the one where we were allowed to choose whatever kind of background we wanted for our school picture. I was the only kid in the whole school who chose natural setting. I knew I should have just gone with a regular background, but mum talked me into it when the forms came home from school. I don't really understand why mum was so upset. Most of the stuff that got ruined was in the basement for a reason, and that's because we never use it. One of the things Mum was really sad about was a spoon carousel Gammy gave us five or six years ago. I think we were supposed to collect a spoon from every country in the world, but we only got up to Canada. I did feel pretty bad for Mum when she found out one of the family photo albums got ruined. A few years ago, Mum got into scrapbooking, and she spent a lot of time cutting out pictures and doing these really fancy photo pages. But there's one page in that album I didn't like, because Roderick always teases me about it. It's the one where I had a breakdown before a pony ride at the state fair. Roderick always says I was scared of the pony, but that's not true at all. I was scared of the guy handling the pony, but mum cropped him out of the picture. Speaking of Roderick, the flooding didn't seem to bother him at all. In fact, I'll bet if I hadn't woken him up, he would have kept sleeping even if his bed floated up the stairs and out of the house. The rest of the day was pretty awful. The water in the basement kept getting higher, so we had to make a bucket relay line with some of Manny's sand pails. Dad called from his hotel room to check in on us, and Mum told him what happened. Dad said he was really sorry he wasn't home to help, but something tells me he's okay with the way things worked out for him. I would love to trade places with Dad right now, because he's got a clean room and a king-size bed all to himself. Mum told me and Roderick that since the basement was flooded, we're going to have to share my room. She said it would be good for both of us to get used to having a roommate, because it was practice for college. Me and Roderick shared a room this summer for a weekend. We had to spend a few days at Grandma's while Mum and Dad took Manny to a kiddie amusement park. Grandma has a guest room, so I figured one of us would sleep on her couch, and the other would get the guest bed. But Grandma said the guest room was occupied, so we couldn't sleep there. 
She'd given the whole room to Sweetie, the dog we gave her. But you'd hardly know he's the same dog, because Grandma feeds him so much he looks like a tick that's about to pop. Grandma said me and Roderick could sleep together on the pull-out couch she has in the living room. But that couch is covered in plastic because she doesn't trust us kids not to spill something on it. So me and Roderick spent a whole weekend sleeping side by side on a queen-size pull-out couch. I'd wake up every morning in a pool of sweat, and I don't even know if it was Roderick's or mine. I'm pretty sure that in prison you sleep in bunk beds, so if they lock me up at least I'll have a better sleeping arrangement than I did at Grandma's this summer. Monday. After 12 hours of sharing a room with Roderick, I'm thinking of marching down to the police station and turning myself in because there's no punishment they can dream up that could be worse than what I'm dealing with at home. Last night, Roderick brought a bunch of his stuff from the basement and put it in my room. This is supposed to be a temporary living situation, but Roderick is treating it like a permanent one. Roderick's got his drum set on stacks of books to air it out, and his dirty clothes are everywhere. This morning, when I was getting dressed, I put on a pair of boxer shorts that was sitting on my dresser, but by the time I realised it was actually Roderick's dirty underwear, it was too late. So until Mum did a load of laundry, I wore my Halloween costume. It was uncomfortable, but at least I knew for sure it was clean. This afternoon we were down in the basement seeing if there was anything we could salvage from the flood. I noticed something strange floating in the water in the storage room, and when I picked it up, I almost passed out. At first I thought it was a real baby, but then I realised it was my long-lost doll, Alfredo. After all this time, Alfredo wasn't looking too good. I think a mouse must have gotten to him, and spending a day in the water didn't help either. But in a weird way, I was kind of glad to see him. I was living with the guilt of losing Alfredo for all these years, and now I found out he was in the house all along. In fact, I couldn't figure out how he wound up in the storage room. But I realised it had to be Dad. He was never really on board with the whole doll idea, and I'm sure he got rid of Alfredo when I wasn't looking. I figured I'd confront Dad about kidnapping my doll when he got home, but at the moment, I had bigger things to worry about. The first one was, what I was going to eat. Over the past few days, we've been running low on food, and if this snow doesn't melt quick, I don't know what we're going to do. Mum was supposed to go grocery shopping the day the blizzard hit, so we have less food than usual to begin with. She said we're going to have to start rationing until she can go back out. That could be a while though. The snow is piled up three feet high against the front door, so we're basically trapped inside. And Roderick is spoiling the food we do have left. He drinks milk straight from the carton, so there's no way I'm going to touch that now. I'm actually kind of mad at Dad, because if it wasn't for him, we'd have all the milk we wanted. A few years ago, I won a contest at the state fair where you had to guess how much a baby goat weighed and a winner got to take it home. I guessed the weight right, but Dad wouldn't let me have the goat. And if we had that goat, I could have a glass of milk whenever I wanted. Mum found some burritos in the back of the freezer last night and made them for dinner, but they tasted funny, so I wouldn't eat them. Mum said I needed to eat something, so I had ketchup as my main course. Manny didn't seem to mind the burritos, but he'll eat just about anything as long as he's got his favourite condiment on it. When Sweetie lived with us, he used to chew on the furniture, so we sprayed it with this stuff called 
bitter apple spray that dogs can't stand the taste of. But for whatever reason, Manny loves the taste of bitter apple spray, and to this day, he uses it on almost everything he eats. Speaking of sweetie, I got so hungry today that I was seriously thinking about eating some of the dog treats I found in the back of our pantry. But mum told me they have different standards for making dog food than they do for people food, so that stopped me from eating any, at least for now. I can't believe I'm practically starving here while Sweetie is living the good life at Grandma's enjoying her home-cooked meals. I only have myself to blame about the food situation though. We had a bunch of canned food until a week before Thanksgiving, but then I gave almost all of it to the food drive at school. I got rid of the things I don't like to eat, like yams and beets. But I'll bet whoever got our rejects is having a pretty good laugh about it right now. I was starting to wonder whether toothpaste had any nutritional value when I remembered I actually did have something edible in my desk drawer. When Dad wouldn't let me take the goat home from the state fair, Mum got me a giant gobstopper to make up for it. I spent the whole fall working on that thing. I figure if we do run out of food in the house, that gobstopper will help me survive at least another week. Tonight the electricity cut out for a few seconds and then came back on. Mum said there was a lot of ice on the power lines and we are probably going to lose our electricity at some point. She said if that happened we needed to keep the freezer door closed so the food inside didn't thaw out and get ruined. She also said we'd need to keep the doors to the house shut so we didn't lose too much heat. Manny got really upset and whenever he gets scared he hides in his room. One time when Manny was younger I told him a witch lived in our basement and he got really spooked. He went missing for a few hours, but we eventually tracked him down to his sock drawer. Mum was right about the electricity, because 15 minutes after her prediction, the power cut off and didn't come back on. She tried to call the electric company, but her cell phone battery was dead. Every hour the temperature dropped another 2 or 3 degrees, and we had to get a blanket to keep ourselves warm. Manny just stayed in his room the whole time, and I'm sure he was scared out of his mind. I was actually pretty worried myself. When you're used to having electricity and then all of a sudden it's taken away, you're basically just one step away from being a wild animal. And with no phone or TV, we were totally cut off from the outside world. I would have felt a lot better if our street was ploughed, because then we'd at least be connected to the rest of civilization. But I'm sure the snowplough guy is going to come to our street last, because every time he comes up our hill, he gets ambushed. There really wasn't any point in staying awake, so I just went to bed, and Roderick followed me into the room a few minutes later. It was freezing cold, and I remember the story I read in the magazine about these two guys who were stranded out in the wilderness and had to share a sleeping bag to conserve body heat. I looked over at Roderick and thought about it for a second, but then I decided my dignity was more important to me than staying alive. All I can say is, Prison's got to be a lot better than this. I'm pretty sure they guarantee you a warm cell and three meals a day. So when the police do come back, believe me, I'll be ready to go. Tuesday. When I woke up today, I realised I'd somehow lost our friendo again. But I wasn't too upset about it. I was pretty happy to be reunited with my doll yesterday, but it hasn't been easy picking up where we left off. This morning, I noticed it was snowing a lot less, but the electricity was still out, 
and Mum said we were just going to have to adapt to our new circumstances until the snow melted. She said I hadn't showered in a few days and I couldn't live like a savage. I promised Mum I'd bathe twice a day once the electricity came back on, but she made me go upstairs to take a shower anyway. The water was freezing cold and the only towel in the bathroom was one Mum used yesterday, so I had to dry myself with some gauze I found in the cabinet under the sink. After I got dressed, I heard a knock on the front door. I thought maybe the police had finally come to take me away, and I felt dizzy. But when I looked out the window, I saw Rowley standing there, and he had something in his hands. I thought Rowley had come to rescue us, but when I opened the door, he told me he brought us Christmas cookies, and then he asked me if I wanted to come outside and play. I told him he was out of his mind, and asked him how his family was surviving without any electricity, but he looked confused. Rowley said his family still had electricity, and everyone else on the street did too. And sure enough, I could see people's Christmas lights on up and down the street. Then Rowley asked me if I wanted to make a snowman. I slammed the door shut, but only after I helped myself to a few cookies. I told Mum what Rowley said about the electricity, and she told me to go down to the basement to see if there was something wrong with our fuse box. When I opened it up and looked at the circuit breaker, Here's what I found. All the electricity had been turned off except for Manny's room. The only switch that was on was the one for Manny's room. I ran upstairs and when I opened Manny's door, I got a blast of heat. Manny was sitting there with a space heater, a pile of food and a bunch of other stuff too. When things got bad, Manny must have figured it was every man for himself. I think he would have let the rest of us freeze to death as long as he had enough to survive. Mum asked Manny why he cut off the power to the rest of the house and he started blubbering that it was because no one ever taught him how to tie his shoes. While Mum dealt with Manny, I went down to the basement and switched on the circuit breakers for the rest of the house. The electricity came back on and the furnace kicked in. A few minutes after that, Dad called. He said the highways were clear and that he was coming home. I looked out the window and saw the plough coming up our hill. Mum said it was a miracle that Dad was going to be home for Christmas Eve, but to be honest with you, I'd totally forgotten what day it was until that moment. Dad picked up some food on the way home, and the rest of us ate like a pack of wolves. And let me just say, I'll never take food for granted again. Mum said she was going to go out with Dad to try and find a place that was open that sold glasses. Before she left... Mum asked me to take a present down to the police station for the toy drive and put it in the outdoor bin because today was the last day you could turn the gift in. But I wasn't too eager to show my face at the police station and I really didn't need to spend Christmas in jail. I knew I'd let some kid down if I didn't turn in our present though so I found a ski mask in our closet and headed out. It took forever to get to the police station and I crawled the last 20 feet to the bin just to play it safe. Once I knew the coast was clear, I stood up and tossed the present in the bin. Then I turned around and headed home, but when I walked by the church, I remembered something. I'd filled out a request for the giving tree, and I asked whoever got my envelope to leave my cash under the recycling bin behind the church. The church parking lot was covered in snow. I was pretty sure the recycling bin was buried somewhere behind the church, but I didn't know the exact spot. Luckily, there was a shovel leaning up against the wall, and I started digging to find a recycling bin. 
but it wasn't in the place I thought it would be, and I ended up clearing out a huge area looking for it. I wish the church had a hose attached to the back of the building, because that would have made the job go a lot easier. I was pretty desperate to find that envelope, because I figured if I was going to start my life on a run, I could really use a big wad of cash to get me by for the first few weeks. But when I finally found the recycling bin, there was no envelope beneath it. I was pretty bummed on the walk back home, and I forgot all about being careful not to be seen. So I was totally unprepared when I got to my front door and a police car pulled in the driveway right behind me. I thought this was it for me, so I ran inside and locked the door. But when the police knocked, Roderick let them in. I thought about jumping out the back window and making a run for it, but I'm glad I didn't, because I would have looked like an idiot. It turns out the police weren't there for me at all. They were just there to collect last minute gifts for the toy drive. I thought they might be bluffing and that they were just using the toy drive as a way of flushing me out. But I finally worked up the courage to go to the front door and I even brought a donation with me and tried to act casual. The police said they couldn't accept a used toy as a donation and that they were only taking new items in their original packaging. I actually think they were just a little freaked out by Alfredo because they seemed to leave in a hurry after that. Christmas. When I woke up this morning... I couldn't believe it was Christmas and I was in my house with electricity and heat and wasn't on a run from the police. I went downstairs to see if there was anything under the tree, but I was totally shocked to find there weren't any gifts at all. At first I thought it was all Santa's scout's fault and that he'd been running his mouth about the trouble I've got myself into lately. But Mum came downstairs a few minutes later and told me Santa did come last night and that he left our gifts in the garage. Mum said the snowstorm really messed up Santa's schedule so he ran out of time to wrap presents and just put them in garbage bags instead. That didn't make a lot of sense to me but at that point I was relieved to be getting any gifts at all. The rest of the family came downstairs and Mum said we could have fun reaching in the trash bags and guessing what our gifts were. It wasn't really the same but I think Dad was pretty happy he didn't have any wrapping paper to clean up. After I was done with the gifts in the trash bag, Mum handed me a wrapped present that she said was from her. It was my Tower of Druids graphic novel, so I was a little confused. Mum said she felt bad about forging Kenny Santazo's autograph, so she found out where he was appearing a few weeks ago and got my book signed for real this time. She said she had to wait in line for three hours, but she was happy to do it for me. But based on what's written in my book now, I'm guessing Kenny Santazo didn't hear my name correctly. To my biggest fan, Craig. Kenny Santazo. Hopefully I can find a rich guy named Craig who's really into graphic novels, so I can sell it to him for a pile of cash. Roderick got a snare drum and some drumsticks, and Manny got a bunch of toys and a pair of sneakers. Even though Mum taught Manny how to tie his shoes yesterday... It looks like he'd prefer to have her do it for him anyway. After we were done opening presents, Mum said it was time to go to church. I told her we couldn't go because we didn't have any clean clothes to wear. But that's when she pulled out three last gifts. I really like to spend Christmas in my pyjamas, and the second you put on dress clothes, it feels like it's over. So I decided to put my clothes on over my pyjamas and pick up where I left off once we got back home. 
but it was a mistake to wear flannel pyjamas underneath corduroy pants and a v-neck sweater for a two-hour service. After we got home from church, I went upstairs to change. I actually had puddles of sweat in my shoes, so I had to empty them out in the bathroom sink. When I got downstairs, the newspaper was on the kitchen table, and here's what was on the front page. The Daily Herald. Unidentified Dougaler clears the way. Unselfish act allows soup kitchen to open. It's a picture of Greg shoveling snow when he was trying to find that cache that he thought might be under the recycling bin. The blizzard that crippled the town and shut down many basic services threatened to cancel the soup kitchen, which many less fortunate individuals rely on for a hot meal on Christmas. But an unidentified juvenile spent his Christmas Eve shoveling out the church sidewalk to make sure that didn't happen. Well, the newspaper didn't exactly get the story right, but I'm not going to complain. In fact, that article inspired me, uh, inspired me to put out a new edition of The Neighbourhood Tattler, and I'll bet we can sell a ton of copies. The Neighbourhood Tattler, Masked Hero Revealed. The Tatler can exclusively report that the mysterious do-gooder who shoveled the church sidewalk on Christmas Eve is none other than our very own editor-in-chief, Greg Heffley. I just wanted to do the right thing, said Heffley, when asked why he decided, and then it goes off from there. <laughs> and that is the end of Cabin Fever. I hope you enjoyed the book. Alright, bye for now.